Have you ever been so thirsty that your mouth actually hurt? Well, today we're going to ask the question, how thirsty are you for more of God? Join us as we take our next step to quench our thirst this week as we continue our excellent message series called Red Letter Day right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so thankful that you are joining us. And we're always praying that God will give you a reason, a purpose of why he has you listening to us today. Hey, um, just one quick note. If you love um, listening to our podcast, many of you all across this great world of of ours are, have joined us and participated. Um, but you know what? Uh, we need sometimes need a little bit of help to keep this going. So if you are up for uh, helping us keep this going, uh, we would love for you if you could become a partner with us by uh, maybe uh, giving back just a little bit of what God has given you and and basically becoming a, a patron, uh, somebody that uh, helps us support us financially. Uh, and whatever gift you can give is uh, very helpful. We would definitely uh, appreciate that. So, hey, uh, we're in the middle of this series called Red Letter Day, and we are looking at the words of Jesus as he hung on the cross, uh, the last words before he departed from this earth. And today I want you to join with me. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 19. First, first off, uh, this is a great scripture, and Jesus is on the cross having a really, really bad day, right? Uh, I don't want to make light of it, but I mean, I don't think you could have much of a much worse of a bad day, right? Uh, let's take a look at what scripture says. John 19, uh, verses 28 through 30. Listen to what it says. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, there are some things... Uh, some key words here that uh, where, where it talks about it. It says, later, knowing everything had now been finished. You, you've got to understand that Jesus lived his life, not like many of us where we are thrown by circumstances. Um, we call that circumstantial living, where we're thrown by the things that are happening in this life. And, and there are these emotional cries that come out. We kind of say things that we don't really mean, or we mean things we don't really say. Uh, but when Jesus, he spoke, when he said things, it was calculated. He meant what he said. His, his whole priority was to fulfill all of the prophecies. If you look back to Psalm 22, uh, you go back through Isaiah, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Exodus, you see a lot of these things actually relate back to the things that had happened. And we are talking about a Messiah to come. And when he said things, he was confirming to everybody, I am the one. Knowing that all was now completed and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. 
Well, what does he mean when he says, I am thirsty? Well, we know that he doesn't just say things without a reason, right? There's a purpose behind it. There's got to be a reason behind it. In fact, if you go into Exodus chapter 7 and 8, you will just start to discover that there's a period in the Israelite history where they have come out of slavery. They are complaining about not having anything to drink. And what they actually say is, why have you brought us out of Egypt to cause us to die of thirst? I am thirsty, is what they are saying. Jesus, the, the Spirit of the Lord, back then through Moses, was to lead them to an area where they could drink. It would come out of a rock. And we know that the rock of all ages is Jesus. So go to the rock and water will come out of the rock. And a covenant was made that day because the people complained. This is the statement they were complaining about. Is God among us or not? Is God really here or not? Now, this is just my take on things. I believe Jesus said, I am thirsty because he was trying to fulfill prophecy from the Old, uh, Old Testament to say, you're wondering, am I the one or not? Is this really the Christ or not? He's saying, I thirst. You see, we uh, as a society have to carry our Bibles around with us everywhere we go, right? But we are not like the Jewish people who grew up knowing scripture. You wouldn't leave your house without reciting the commands of the Lord on your doorpost. You, you had to memorize the scriptures. So they knew as soon as Jesus said a phrase, they went Exodus 7, 8. So when he said, I am thirsty, they would have taken them all the way back to the Old Testament where the Israelites were complaining about being thirsty and they had to go to the rock to drink a wa drink of water. And, and, and here is the rock on the cross saying, I am thirsty in order to fulfill all scripture, knowing that everything now is ready to be completed. So is it any wonder that the centurion soldier uh, later when Jesus actually died and the earthquake happened and the temple curtain was torn in two and everything collapsed and the centurion said, surely this was the son of God. Jesus says, I thirst. So I started thinking about that and I started thinking about Matthew 5, 6, where Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Let me read that again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So obviously, the, the whole kingdom of heaven is about a relationship with God. Being in a right step with God and everything about that is to seek a life of righteousness. Now, we are not righteous because of what we do. We are righteous because of what he did on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, right? So now, my inner thirst, my hunger, my appetite is quenched when I enter a relationship with Christ. So, so he thirsts so that I can be satisfied. So now I've got to figure out with my thirst where I'm going to get that filled. Because my righteousness is not about I ought to become who I am because of what I do. No, now I do what I do out of who I already am because of what he's done. There's this whole concept of I thirst. So question is, have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever been like really, really parched, right? Really, really thirsty to, do you remember a time when your, when your tongue was sticking to the roof of your mouth, you know, cause your mouth to be sore right now? You're probably like, I wasn't until you said something, right? <laughs> I wasn't thirsty until you said something, man. But, but anyway, but here's the deal. I don't think Jesus was just saying I am thirsty because he was actually thirsty. Think about this. We're talking about a guy who went out into the desert 40 days, 40 nights with no food, no drink to be tempted by Satan himself. So he knew how to go without, right? 
when he was on the cross for a couple of hours and he says, I am thirsty, I've got a feeling that it was a whole lot more to do with what he could give us than what it was to do with what he actually needed, right? The whole concept of I thirst, we have to figure out how to live a life that brings us into a space with God where we actually live with the well within, right? There's got to be something that bubbles up on the inside that helps us to get what God wants for us, okay? We thirst for lots of different things. We hunger for different things. It could be something to do with the marriage. You, you might have a be- picture of a, of a better day, right? You think about where you want your marriage to be. Maybe it's, it's some kind of intimacy, you know? Maybe it's got something to do with work or, or ministry or school, or perhaps there are parts of life that you've got a real thirst for. You're, you're really, really thirsty. You're so dry on the inside, and you want this to really work out. Perhaps it's something like that, and, and God wants that for us. But it's going to come down to a place where it's not just about me and me being satisfied to where we get to a place where I can be a life giver, where now I'm able to give others a drink. Jesus on the cross says, I thirst and I've got a feeling it was to try to help us to, to get to a place where we could start to respond to the needs of others. There's this amazing story in John chapter 4, and uh, we're talking about thirsting. And one of the sayings of Jesus when he was talking about this, we, we've got to look at the story because it's, it's phenomenal. Okay, Now, uh, those of you who listen to my podcast uh, on a regular basis, uh, you might think to yourself, Dan, we just read from the story not too long ago, and, and you would be right, we did, but we're going to take a look at it from a little different angle today, okay? It's John chapter 4, and today I want to read uh, verses 1 through 26. Yes, 26 verses, I said. Uh, so I hope you can hang in there that long. I hope you can concentrate that long, okay? And I hope you'll just uh, kind of listen to the words as we read them, okay? Bear with me. Uh, let's go through this, all right? John chapter 4, 1 through 26. Now Jesus leaned, uh, I'm sorry, learned that the uh, Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sachar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now that's a key point right there, okay? Keep that in mind. His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have, you have nothing to draw uh, with, and the, and the well is deep. Where, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and, and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go. 
call your husband and, and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now are with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this place where you, we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do not, what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are, for, are, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am he. Jesus didn't reveal himself to very many people, you see, but he does to this woman. And I think it's to show us something about thirst. I think the real thirst of Jesus is that we would receive his life and that we would become life-giving people, that we would learn how to give life to others. In this story, there are a few things going on, and I want to touch base on, on three of them. Okay, uh, There's three, three words I'm going to give to you. Uh, the first, there is the woman's need. Okay, that word need. Uh, you see this in verse 7. When the Samaritan came to draw water, Jesus said, will you give me a drink? And what Jesus said he needed is what the woman needed. In verse 10, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God uh, and who it is that asked you for a drink. Uh, here we're talking about the second, second word, and that is seed, the seed, the seed of creation. Jesus is the seed for salvation. He is the firstborn uh, from among the dead, risen for us, and now through Christ we can have life. That you don't need to walk around saying, who's going to help me? Now you can walk around saying, who am I going to help? And the third thing we're going to look at is, it's kind of funny to me because, because what we've read so far is, Jesus stops, he rests, there's a woman, has interaction, dialogue, and during this whole time, the disciples are in town getting food, and now they have just come back, and, and that is where I, I want to kind of pick it up, remember? They're, they're out getting food, and now they've come back, and it's in John uh, chapter 4, we're continuing on, verses 31 through 34, listen to what it says. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is why I kind of find this funny. Okay? Jesus is waiting. He, he's tired. The disciples go in to get the food. They come back and they go, we've got the food, Jesus. We've got the food. And Jesus goes, we've already eaten. You know, we've already, we're, we're already done. And they're like, what, what, what's going on here? Has someone like slipped him a Big Mac or something, you know, food that we don't know anything about? And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 my food is to do the will of the Father. You see, Jesus is hungry, yet his appetite is quenched and satisfied by doing the will of God. 
You see, you can be hungry, physically hungry. You get involved with the Spirit of God in something, and all of a sudden you feel satisfied. You feel full. You are like, man, I, I have eaten, and I haven't eaten, but I feel like I've just had the biggest baby back ribs that you can get, right? You feel so satisfied. There is something spiritually that affects the physical realm. So we've got need, seed, and the disciples came back with the feed. That's the third one, the feed, okay? And Jesus is like, well done, man, but, but you missed it. And they were like, well, what's going on? And Jesus teaches us three things here with the need, seed, and feed. Let's, let's kind of break down each one of these, all right, and, and see what the disciples missed. The first one was need. And the thing about need, it requires love. Need always requires love. Jesus saw the need because of his love, and you read through this whole three and a half years of dialogue of his life and ministry through these gospels, and you will see time and time again, Jesus stops and meets a need. Why? Because he loves people. He'd have an agenda. He's on his way to do something else, the, the ministry-related things. He's on his way to fix something, and on the way, he's disrupted uh, by a need. He's disrupted by, by love. His love for people caused him to detour. And even when things looked like they were delayed and weren't going to work out, it, it was okay. Jesus went, no, no, I, I love and I'm going to fix this. It's, it's need. I mean, that should motivate all of us, right? We should get to a place where no longer is it just about what you can do for me, but what I can do for you. It's all about love. There's so much more, so much need in, in our world, amen, right? And I will tell you how we're going to meet it. You ready for this? It's simple, with love, right? With love. Because if you can't see it, you can't do anything about it, but you can only see it if there's love. It's love that causes us, uh, causes us to see need and to be a part of the process and helping. And so need requires love. Well, what about the seed? Well, seed requires hope. Seed is what you put in the ground, hoping that the elements won't destroy it, but it will start to germinate and, and flourish and, and grow up. You know, how many times have you ever planted a, maybe some seed or like some grass, you know, and you throw it out there and you water it, you rake it, you get all the ground prepped, you know, and you get it out there and you're like, all right, satisfied. And the next day you're like, how come it's not growing? You know, you, you just kind of get impatient with that, right? It seems like forever and nothing's happening. And then it's seven days before anything kind of breaks through, right? But eventually this little shoot breaks through. See, hope is what's required for things that aren't seen. In fact, the Bible says, says that, that, that hope that is seen is not hope at all. Let me say it again. Hope that is seen is not hope at all. So hope is what's required for what is not seen. Seed is, is always the potential of what can be. So we see need because of love. Love is what spurs us on. We see it, but hope says there's a better day. Hope says we can change this. Hope says we can uh, be a part of what God's plan is for you. Hope. That's what the seed is about. Seed requires hope. Now, let's go back to, to need for just a second. There's always two sides of need. This is the question we have to ask ourselves as believers. In fact, just as human beings, no matter uh, who you are, right, you've got to think about need from these two perspectives. What side of need are you on? Are, am I needy or am I needed? Am I a needy person, which means you've always got to fix me, or am I needed, which means I'm always called upon? 
I believe it says that, that when love takes centerpiece in our heart, that we shift from needy to needed. Only then can we start to see that the seed requires hope, and it's hope that brings life. It's hope that brings all of the potential. There, there's something better now. There's something that can, be, that can happen. It's, it's going to leave your life full of hope. The world is going to give us all kinds of reasons why we should lose hope, all of the reasons why we shouldn't have this, all of the things that are going to go wrong, everything that's probably not going to happen. But hope says it can work. Hope says Jesus is on your side. That's what hope does. So the seed requires hope. Then without, what about feed? This, this whole story is about need, seed, and feed, right? Well, need requires love. Seed requires hope. Well, it's obvious. Then the only one that's left is Feed requires faith, right? Feed requires faith. And it's the difference between me having my needs met to moving to a place where I am needed. James says that faith without actions is dead. How can I love God whom I can't see if I can't love my brother who I can see? Faith says, let's make this across the line, right? Let's move this into action. Let's, let's step, the, step this up a notch, okay? And as, as we come along in Christianity, as we come along on the faith journey in Christ, we, we ought to be uh, going further and further away from what I used to be and more and more of what Jesus is. That's why John the Baptist says, I must become less and he must become more. I must decrease, he must increase. Faith moves us to action. Faith says, not only can I see the possibility, I'm going to be a part of the reality Faith says, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get my hands dirty, okay? There are so many different needs and, and projects, different teams, different ministries. There are so many things that we can do to help put uh, faith into action. In fact, I'm going to challenge all of you. I want you to be praying for the next couple of weeks. I want you to ask God this question. Okay? I asked this for our, our congregation. I specifically asked for what they could do uh, here at Chandler Acres. But I'm going to ask you uh, something a little different. What can you do where you are to help put faith into action? What can you do wherever you are to help put faith into action? I want you to be praying for that for the next couple of weeks because we all need to be involved in evangelical efforts because it's faith in action. Because to feed someone, it requires faith. We can only guess what Jesus really meant on the cross that day when he said, I'm thirsty. But we know through scripture, we understand that he was trying to bring all of us to a place where we are so secure and founded in his love. And out of that, we can have a hope for a brighter day. Where we can have faith to activate, right? And to bring change throughout this community, throughout this world. My prayer today is that every person listening and all those that are, are, are going to listen, that, that Jesus would bring us through a journey where we would understand more and more that it's about everything in him, that he would teach us, lead us, satisfy us completely, that we would become whole people, that, we, that, that wouldn't always need to be needy, that we would get to a place so secure where we would be needed and called upon to be able to bring life people and where if people are thirsty that somehow we might be able to bring his grace his love and his peace into every situation that is my prayer amen 
That concludes another episode of uh, Venture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll hope you'll join us next week as we continue our series on Red Letter Day. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support this ministry, please visit chandleracreschurch.com 